0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett Martin. I am an alcoholic, and I am grateful for all my listeners and supporters. As of this recording, I am 332 days sober, and today we're welcoming a guest to share their experience, wisdom, and hope with you. Welcome to the show, Alex.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for agreeing to be on. Why don't you start by introducing yourself to the listeners?
1: Yeah. So my name is Alex Spoon. I'm from Erie, Pennsylvania. I've been sober now. Today is actually 34 months on the dot as of the recording. My use pronouns, he, him. Yeah, that's pretty much the basics.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Well, then let's jump right on into it then with a little bit about what your journey with alcohol and addiction was like.
1: Yeah. So growing up, I kind of always had the, the typical parents. I come from a family of alcoholics. Some have seek treatment. Others have unfortunately lost their lives due to it so i kind of came out when i was 21 immediately jumped into the the bar scene that we kind of all tend to jump into in the early 20 teens that was the big thing still now kind of it's not as big now but it was really big back then i kind of struggled my way through everything got involved with people that i thought were doing the best for me i got involved in the drag scene and in the drag scene, alcoholism is encouraged, quite frankly. there, Especially back then, there wasn't all the RuPaul's Drag Race queens that have now made a big deal out of being sober and their journey, like Alaska, who is actually from my hometown. So she was actually born and raised about 20 minutes from where I'm sitting now. So I kind of went through the drag scene for five or six years where I would be out more often than I wasn't. I would normally... I might have one or two nights at home just because I was running out of clothes to wear, quite frankly. I was going out immediately after work. I went to school for finance and I got involved in the banking industry, which was another kind of industry that at the time was, there was a lot of happy houring two to three nights a week. So I would, more often than not, I would kind of get out of work. I would go home, I would eat dinner, I would get changed. Or I would sometimes just go right to a happy hour from work. And either way, I would end up at one of our local gay bars. I would usually get there around like eight o'clock and usually not quit drinking until one, two o'clock in the morning sometimes. Get up the next morning, be at my day job at eight o'clock, like nothing kind of ever happened, and then go back again. And I did that pretty solidly for about five to six years. And then on top of that, I kind of I started to get involved with the local Pride Alliance, and that got to more and more happy hours, going out to meet with everybody. If we were meeting somewhere, we always met either over dinner where I would have drinks or we would meet at the bar where I would have more drinks. So it just kind of led on and it seemed like everything was kind of piling on at the time where I I was getting more involved. I was starting to not realize how much I was drinking and kind of got to the point that I was like, you know what? I was home one night this week and I didn't drink one night this week because I never really kept alcohol at home. I I always thought I was a social social drinker and kind of went through four or five years of that. And then just about three years ago, I started to experience some health issues and it ended up being my gallbladder quit working, but part of that was alcohol made the issues that I was having even worse. So we had just hosted our local drag pageant. And we had, I remember we got together the last night I had any alcohol, we got together and we were discussing like what went right, what went wrong. And I took a drink and five minutes after having it, my gallbladder said, Nope, that's not staying in you. And there was nothing I could do. So I kind of went through a medical situation. Like I know I've listened to a lot of the podcasts, everyone that's went through all the different steps, but my body just didn't even, it was like, no, you've got to quit now. And looking back on it, like my health issues were flaring up a lot worse when I was drinking. So I ended up quitting cold Turkey and kind of went through the this, this stage of, oh, I'm just doing this as long as I, until I can get my surgery. Cause I ended up having to have my gallbladder taken out. And then like, I remember asking the doctor, like two weeks before surgery, I'm like, so how long after surgery do I have to wait until I can have a drink? And he's like, well, it's two months was what we would recommend. So I kind of used that in my head. And at this point, I had been sober for about probably about 90 days or so before I got my surgery. And I kind of started to just get this sense of clarity where I didn't feel like I had to have that drink as the crutch to be out in the social situations and kind of went on and on. Next thing I know, it was five months and it was six months. And I finally did get myself back into going out to the bars to see the drag shows. Cause I was still a huge part of that community. And I was with my vice president of the board and she was there and she goes, are you good? Do you, you haven't drank in a while? Is it something that you think you want one? And I looked at her and I'm like, no, I don't think I do. Cause I really spent those couple of months prepping for the surgery, really kind of diving into what was pushing me towards alcohol and resourcing like some of the stuff that was going on with my family. And I was able to just, I was like, nope, I'm done. And now we're going on, it'll be three years in June. So
0: congratulations on that. (laughs) And what are some of the positive changes in your life been since finding sobriety?
1: I'm not spending $100 a night drinking. So that's always a nice change. But other than that, I just, I've really focused on myself. So since I got sober, I I had just started a new job prior to getting sober. And I really dedicated myself to that. And I can say I've now got three promotions since I've been at that job. So certainly that aspect, and I found a lot more time to do other stuff. I've gotten really involved with like photography. That's I've I'm I've always been an addictive person, so I I feel like I have to have some sort of an addiction, or else I'm just going to struggle. Like I remember a few years ago, Funko Pops were all the craze, and I probably have about four or five hundred sitting around here. So it's like I've always been when I get into a hobby, I I don't just like casually get into it i'm like full bore so i've really just kind of channeled that energy that i used to put into drinking because i found i've now got all this time because i'm not spending six hours a night at the bar and i got into photography i got into kayaking so like i just got into a lot more activities that is keeping myself busy and i just have this sense of kind of this clarity like I, i don't need the alcohol And now I'm to the point that I can be around it and I'm not tempted. Like every now and again, I used to be a huge wine drinker every now and again. I'd be like, Ooh, I, cause in Pennsylvania where I'm at, we're a huge wine producer. Like we have vineyards everywhere. And I'm like, I could really go for a glass of wine. And I'm like, no, that's probably not the best idea. (laughs) And then it's like, if, cause I know deep down in my head now, if I have one, I'm just, I don't know when to stop. And I never did when it came to drinking. Like I stopped when I ran out of money, which didn't happen (laughs) very often in our bar because it was super cheap drinking around here. Or when I just physically wasn't able to order another one. Like and being involved in the drag scene, all the bartenders knew me and they were all like, yeah, sure. We'll give you another one. Whatever. We don't care. And it was just, I, I was kind of, I was well known. So it was just a situation where I never really had a limit when I was out. And now that I don't drink, I just have this just a sense of like very like I know what I'm doing. I'm in total control, which is it's weird that I turned to drinking. I mean, it's in my family, but uh, I'm such a control freak of everything around me. And I don't know why I always went to alcohol and gave up that control. Like I've I've got a couple of nights I can think of. It's two o'clock in the morning. I just left the bar and I'm three blocks away. I only live about five blocks away and I get pulled over and I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do? And I remember the last time it happened, the cop came up to the window and he goes, do you have weed in the car? I'm like, no, in a total panic. And he goes, okay, we thought we smelled weed coming from your car. You can drive away. And I remember once I got home, I'm like, what just happened? That should have been a DUI. How did they not smell all of the vodka that I had just drank? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, that was kind of my first thing. Okay. Maybe you have a problem. And then I still went another year before I had my other health issues that forced me to get sober. Really? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And being so ingrained in the club and the drag community, I mean, how do you feel your sexuality played a role in your addiction?
1: I so my family is I come from a family of alcoholics so I think it accelerated it it didn't I, I don't know that it added an extra like it made it easier to really go through with all the drinking that I did my I don't know that like my sexuality I, it really came down to more of the culture that I found myself in the old like. Erie had a really big like older scene where we did not go out to the straight bars. We just congregated in our own places. So it was kind of, I felt safe because of where I was at. And when you feel safe, you then kind of, Oh, I'm just going to have one or two and let loose and one or two turned into a dozen or more. So I I don't know how my sexuality really like played into it other than as I got more ingrained, the barriers that, you typically sometimes see at a gay bar, like a little bit of gatekeeping. Like they go to the certain people that are always there. Those went down and down and down and just made it easier and easier and easier for me to get drinking.
0: Yeah. And then, I mean, flipping that around now that you're sober, how is your you know relationship with the LGBT plus community and how has that maybe changed since getting sober?
1: So I've, I went through a really, like I got sober and then the pandemic happened so like i had got sober in june of 2019 and i kind of hid getting sober for the first really until my surgery because i'm like i didn't think like that was going to be my i didn't think i was going to end up not going back to drinking eventually so i kind of hit it for a solid six months and then i was actually i just started going back to performing because that's as somebody that enjoys the art of drag the only place that we have around here is our bar shows at the time were bar shows. And uh it really, I really struggled the first night I went back you know, because, like, I thought the character needed it to help me loosen up. And I made it through that show. And it really, like, since then, I remember a couple of the queens made a snide comment, like, oh, don't give her a drink because she doesn't drink anymore. It was kind of like a backhanded, like, oh, doesn't drink. And it was, doesn't like questioning why I belong there. And I will say, since I got sober, I don't go out to the drag shows as much. That crowd was very much their life circled around drinking. So I kind of, I lost a lot of those friends. And even to this day, one of the people that I considered my closest drag sister that I used to talk to every other day, if not every day, I don't, I haven't spoke with her in really like a meaningful conversation in probably six months to a year. So I lost a lot of the people that I thought were my friends that in reality were just my drinking buddies that I got along with. And if I saw them at a dry event, we would probably still be just fine. But if I'm in the bar, it it, for some reason, it's just, it feels like it's an issue. And it may be the awkwardness on both my part and on their part. So I feel like that aspect has really cut back. And there's still times I'm like, I feel like I used to have more friends when I was drinking. And then I really get to looking back at it and I'm like, did I have more friends when I was drinking or was I just kind of in the place where everybody was drinking? So like, were those my true friends and looking back and I'm like, you know what? I don't think they were. So I I feel like that aspect, the the bar crowd, I've certainly lost a lot of connections there. But when I went public with getting sober, I gained a lot more people that were kind of on my side and that really embraced everything because we don't really have anybody that in our little area that has publicly talked about their sobriety. You have a few people that you might see an occasional post on Facebook, but nobody that's been consistent with it. So I feel like in that aspect, I'm now um, more of a role model within our community that I've had conversations with other people that are that wish they could get sober and that just haven't found the right help. They've went through all the local groups and they're still struggling with that.
0: Yeah. So
1: I, I feel like that, that part is made more than made up for everything that I lost. So to speak, as far as the social scene goes.
0: <laughs> no, I can imagine how rewarding It's like being a role model. Like I, I do my best with the podcast to try and, <laughs> Help others who need to hear the message. So, speaking of sexuality and being part of a community, you are an LGBT plus advocate and president of the NWPA. Can you tell us a little bit more about your work with that?
1: Yeah. So I have been on the Pride board now for this is my tenth year on the board, and I've served as the president for the last this is my seventh year. So, board and I are the group that we host the the prides. We also pride festival, a pride picnic. We now have a pandemic pride parade that even though we're coming out of it, we've had so much people say, well, I really like this. So we have a beautiful peninsula here in Erie that we get our cars decorated and all the rainbow stuff. And then we just take a lap around the peninsula, just a slow lap with all of our pride stuff. So we're keeping that on. And then we have the picnic, we have an amusement park day. So we I do a lot of work here in the community and I've really, since I've got sober, made an effort to switch away from the traditional happy hour to coming up with some other events that although drinking may be an option, it doesn't feel as a requirement as it used to.
0: Yeah. And that's certainly huge. Helping to build your own community. And if you can give one piece of advice to someone who's sober, curious, or newly sober, what would it be?
1: My piece of advice is to really kind of do some soul searching inside of you if you're able to. Like, what is for me? I found that I had some internal doubt and some internal issues that I really had to address to be ready to get sober. And I remember when I was drinking, I would ride the emotional roller coaster. And after looking back on that and thinking about why was I riding it, I really went, I'm like, you know what, let's address those. And I kind of worked on that aspect to get it away to where I didn't upset and then start drinking more and more and more. So I really kind of do some soul searching. And from there, determine what, what's truly making you unhappy. And as as I did it, I found that it was the social scene being around all the The liquor, that was just, it was putting me, if I thought I was on stable ground mentally, it was like not, it was like sitting on a chair and having a leg knocked out of you. And now you have to try to balance it. And as you kept drinking, another leg got knocked out. And then at the end of the night, you're on the ground, metaphorically and sometimes physically, because you've just drank too much. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and you know, in recovery, no matter how we get sober, we generally love our steps traditions or sayings. Do you have a favorite quote or mantra that you like to live by?
1: My biggest mantra is that if you're struggling with something, you're definitely the odds are you're not struggling alone. Statistically speaking, if you're dealing with some sort of an issue, you're not the only one doing it alone. And so, one thing that always runs through my head when I'm going through some sort of issue, some sort of just obstacle in anywhere in my life, or when it comes to potentially my sobriety, is if I can't vocalize it with others, I can never find the support that I may need. So I've found that within a circle of trusted people, it's I prefer to almost overshare to see if I can find support that way. And then really just go from there. Like, I'm super blessed to have a great support system from my parents. I have a group of best friends that is basically a second family that they've supported me. I think that's kind of my big thing is don't be afraid to reach out to just anybody.
0: Yeah. And if someone was interested in reaching out to you, how would they find you?
1: Yeah. So um, the best way to reach me would be Instagram. My initials are ADS. 5202 is how you would find me. That's kind of going kind to of be my best way. Also, you can find me on uh, Facebook, the last name, Alex, or first name, Alex, last name, Spoon, S P H O N. And if you want to are interested in what's going on in Erie, um, check out nwpapride.org.
0: Excellent. I'll be sure to link over to all those in the show <laughs> notes. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. It was a pleasure getting to know you and hear more about your story.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for tuning into another episode of Gay A. Please rate and review. If you found this information helpful, leaving five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts helps other people find this that need to hear it the most. And if you're interested in sharing your story like Alex, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Gay Podcast or email me directly at Gay at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us wherever you're listening so you can get new episodes when they come out every Monday and Thursday. And until that time, stay sober, friends.